0: Welcome to Check the Program, a podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage and decided to do something about it. I'm John Threlfall.
1: I'm Sarah Petrescu.
2: I'm Amanda farrell and Melanie Tromp-Hoover is in Hawaii. Ooh la la. During this... Very cold for Victoria week. Happy so birthday. yeah, happy birthday, Melanie. Must be nice. So on this week's episode, we're going to be speaking about bears at the Belfry. We all we all had the pleasure of seeing that, and I also chatted with uh, Lindsay delaronde uh, until recently, the city of Victoria's Indigenous artist in residence. And then a quick look at the very busy February that's coming up.
1: First, we'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here.
2: Thanks, Sarah. So, bears, we were all there?
0: We were. I really enjoyed this show. I had no expectations of it whatsoever. I didn't read anything about it before going in. I like going into a show cold. I loved it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, I guess to, to give the Coles notes, so playwright Matthew McKenzie, he's originally from Edmonton, he is a, a playwright of Métis descent, wrote this play. A very new play. It has since gone on to win tons Mm -hmm. of awards, although I heard him, uh, he did a little chat at the reception before opening night, and he mentioned that the Belfry had contacted them to uh, do this show way before any of the accolades had come out, so that's pretty cool. And I guess his grandparents have a long uh, history uh, with the Belfry, of being patrons of the Belfry and big supporters of the Belfry. I think the lobby, he made a joke about the... If you want to see where my inheritance went, go look at the new oh, oh, lobby. Really?
1: Oh. <laughs> I actually saw that in the program notes and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I didn't know if there's a relation, So, so yeah, sense. he does have
2: a connection to Victoria yeah, cool. and the Belfry. So, it's a show about a uh, First Nations man in Alberta who's been working on the oil patch and just kind of loses it and goes on a bit of a, a, a quest to the West Coast. Yeah, to not, I don't want to really say much more.
0: I mean, a quest, a hero's journey, a transformational journey, you could say, Mm -hmm. you could describe it anyway. And I saw all aspects of that in there. I thought it really was a hero's journey. Um, I know not everybody would agree with that Mm -hmm. description. Certainly the chap sitting in front of me was. Not that thrilled, but okay.
2: uh, yeah. He didn't like It's very, like, there's nothing subtle about the play, and they say that in the program. Like, oh, he didn't like very... it from the start. Like, uh, from
0: the territorial acknowledgement right off the top with Christy Charlie, and um, he was, like, snapping his program and, and turning his pages so loudly that I was wow. going to say something. But then the person sitting in front of him actually turned around and glared at him and he, he was quiet. So he clearly, I don't know why he was there. No kidding. He clearly wasn't a fan. Of I
2: do polos. wonder, like, it's interesting, this play, it's from Edmonton, you know? So you gotta, yeah. I mean, Edmonton is a fairly liberal city, but you gotta wonder what kind of reception You're it got. You're criticizing the yeah. pipeline. Yeah. That's pretty
1: risque. I mean, in BC, it's sort of like, eh, yeah, you know, every, lots of people do. It's not a... Not as big. But I think in the climate in Edmonton, um, pipelines are much more controversial, uh, probably especially the opposing view that they're like the lifeline of economic wealth and, and the future. Um,
0: Interestingly, I was talking to somebody today who said it was a very Edmonton show. And I was mm. like, what do you mean it's a very Edmonton show? And she said that the... Theatrical ecology of Edmonton really encourages these sort of uh, multidisciplinary performances. Mm. And I was like, oh, really? That's very
2: interesting. So let's talk a bit about that. So there's essentially two actors, Sheldon Elder as Floyd and Tracy Nippenek as Mama, who I recognized from, was she in the Rez Sisters?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. She does look familiar. She, yeah. Mm.
2: Uh, And then they had this chorus of seven dancers who were playing everything from, you know, animals to To plants to water. (laughs) They're incredible. They were, they really, yeah. And the
0: RCMP coming out on their horses. That was was my favorite part. That was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. But they, uh, acting as a combination of a dance company and a Greek chorus, mm-hmm. you know, where they were speaking mm-hmm. the thoughts in his head in unison and stuff, and mm-hmm. I thought they were, they brought such a beautiful element to the show, both from a movement perspective, but also this sort of poetic interpretation yeah. of things too.
1: Yeah, I thought Sheldon Elter was amazing mm-hmm. um, he was, yeah. as Floyd. Like he just had this; he was built like a bear, yeah, or it seemed like from the stage, and he had this booming voice, um, but very agile dancer. Yeah and had a lot of lines, like he spoke rapid fire for 80 minutes, um, which always makes me kind of nervous. When people have that many
0: lines. <laughs> but I believed him. Like, I believed him all the way along. There's one scene where he he's uh, his mother is uh, talking about something and he's he's supposed to be like this little boy and he just had this, like, perfect little grin on his face and you could totally yeah. see him as this little 12-year-old boy even though he's this big, massive performer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was really engaging. Oh, he just owned that show. I, I did feel
2: like I was glad that the director, the writer was directing this show Yes, because I think that... If you'd just done this show straight up, without knowing his vision for it, I think it would have come off completely differently. Mm, sure, I think that it mm-hmm. would have been maybe a bit cliched and problematic. But this piece is not either of those things. It's yeah. just, um, it's just beautiful, a really beautiful, engaging piece of theater. It made me think of um, like some indigenous stories about things like. Uh, The story of Raven bringing light to the world, Mm. or something like that. It kind of had this feel of like a modern day um, uh, indigenous legend. Yeah, I was a little bit
1: jarred by the by Floyd always speaking in the third person. Just I don't know, just because, but (laughs) but I think it actually worked in this instance. But because it had that element of a story being told rather than the I, I, mm-hmm. I. Yeah. When you speak in the third person, there's sort of a, it has a storytelling framework, yeah. which I think worked really well for that idea of this being sort of like a, a journey of self-discovery or a hero's journey. Yeah.
0: The, the, having that third person voice with the chorus as well, it did make me think of that sort of ancient Greek, theater mm-hmm. um and it did elevate for me they elevated the piece um but it was if you said it was a beautiful show it was a gorgeous show the lighting and the projections uh the electronic music soundtrack um all of it was fantastic mm-hmm. the choreography was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah
1: so i went to the after play um and after play i thought after play was where the actors come and talk but it, it's totally not mm-hmm. <laughs> it's where audience members go and they kind of talk about the play and someone sort of guides it and I think it's a way for the belfry, I guess, to sort of see how shows land with people. And It was really interesting. It was kind of awkward. <laughs> um, you know, got a bunch of white people sitting around talking about indigenous things, and there were some awkward moments. Let's just say that. But all respectful and and very people love the show. They're really open. So the afterplay facilitator asked, you know, what do you think about this being a political show? Was that okay? And I was impressed to see everybody there who were from all different walks of life were like, yes, this is, you know, yeah, maybe it's not my politics, but isn't this what, you know, aren't we supposed to think when we come to theater? Isn't it supposed to make us talk after and think about it? And, um, I was really impressed with that because I feel like this was kind of a different show and same with mustard Mm. a a few shows back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, a to a different audience, maybe a bit of a younger, open-minded, I don't know, more experimental audience. Um, so I think it was it was really impressive in that sense to, yeah. to see that all these different sort of audience members were, were open to it as well.
0: Well, you mentioned experimental, and I think that the temptation with this kind of a show would be to slot it into something like Spark. Exactly. Where, where we see these sort of edgier contemporary pieces that are dance theater hybrids and, you know, the younger electronica soundtrack and stuff like that. And I think it was a very bold and very brave and and a very wise decision on uh, Michael Schmada's part to put it into the main stage season. Mm -hmm. Um, It strikes me as the kind of show that could only really happen now. Like 10 years ago, we couldn't have had this show for a number of reasons, like politically um, probably the reception for this kind of indigenous piece on a main stage. Uh, wouldn't be there necessarily. Um, I think the the technology behind the show has advanced to the point now where we can see it and it's seamless. Uh, so it struck me as being a very show of the now.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the sense I got just from, you know, the various speeches and things that happened before the show was that this was a very, like, significant step forward in the Belfry's way of doing things, it sounded like, in terms of, you know, just engaging with Indigenous people and their art, and just doing things in a way that's more welcoming and inclusive. Uh, yeah, it seemed like that was something that they really hammered home. Uh, yeah, before the show, so oh. uh,
0: Alberta's Punctuate Theatre Companies brought this in, and uh, yeah, I applaud it. It's it's fantastic. I would really, <laughs> I would enjoy seeing it again.
2: Yeah, and uh, I su- I suspect it'll do quite well here in Victoria, um, given their. Pipe, the general pipeline politics in this yeah, city. I be, I hope so. yeah, yeah, I
1: think it'll be well received. Um, you know, I think even the regular audiences who go to the Belfry and sort of maybe expect a certain experience will enjoy it, um or they'll at least feel better for having seen it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, great. So Matthew McKenzie's Bears plays at the Belfry until February
1: 24th. Yeah, and
2: uh, given that uh, Bears was Kind of be kind of our focus show for this episode. Uh, it seemed like a good time to talk a little bit more about Indigenous art in Victoria, and um, so it also seemed like a good time to talk to Lindsay Delarond. I've been meaning to; she's someone I've been meaning to wanting to chat with for quite some time. Um, I first uh, noticed her work. I worked at the Royal BC Museum while she was an artist in residence oh, yes. there. Um, So uh, for folks who don't know, Lindsay is an Iroquois Mohawk artist. She just wrapped her term as the city of Victoria's first ever Indigenous artist in residence. It was originally supposed to be a one-year term, and then they uh, extended it to, I think it was pretty much two years. And uh, so in addition to being the artist in residence for the city, she was also acting Aboriginal curator for Open Space for a few months while they were dealing with all their transitions so um, very very busy woman um and a young child is Yeah well. yeah she just had a <laughs> yeah. little baby so uh yeah I don't know how she did it all <laughs> Um so she's a multidisciplinary artist she works in printmaking, painting, drawing, photography and video but I think it's safe to say that her residency for the city was very performance art dance focused, performance yeah. Art, yeah
1: poetry yeah
2: Yeah so like uh things like that accord performance took place on the steps of the legislature uh, the Arts as Medicine Forum at the Royal BC Museum, and then the two uh, big pieces were Pendulum and Supernova. The showcases at the Belfry Theatre, and all told, Lindsay told me that she led 18 different projects during her two years as wow, uh, artist in residence. That's a, lot, that's a lot of work, and she says that looking back, the residency unfolded in unexpected ways, both personally and in the community.
3: So when I think about the beginning of my residency, you know, um, how it manifested and unfolded uh, was more than I could have ever predicted, you know, the amount of artists that I've been able to work with, the amount of stories that I've been um, Privileged enough to witness, um, you know, the amount of growth in our communities, uh, particularly with with the showcases, right, that has occurred at the belfry. So, in the last two years, you know, um, so much work has been done internally uh, for myself to be able to really, I think, hold a position like this and actually really grow in a position like this. There's sort of the professional development aspect that has really grown. um, And I'll sort of touch on that. and then there's also like i said the um the witnessing and observing really the gaps i think in victoria in terms of indigenous uh, presentations of art and how it could be presented i mean i'm left with a lot more questions again which is really um wonderful you know the curiosity of really what an artist in residence could do for a city uh, i think should be uh really implemented in every province Mm.
0: I think Lindsay's uh, the challenge with her as the Indigenous artist in Res- residence is because so much of it was performative based. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't leave like that tangible uh, evidence behind.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I felt like it changed my perception of what an artist in residence could be. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, it's interesting because you think, on one hand, uh, doing performance art and involving audience uh, members in the artwork just brings a whole different level of emotional connection to the work and to what an artist in residence an indigenous artist in residence can do but yes it's not something that can be a 2d painting that can be you know put in a box or hung on the wall right yeah, so yeah, yeah.
0: which which is interesting in itself right because uh You think about uh, the poet laureate for the city, right? They Mm -hmm. they perform these poems at certain events, but then they do have to leave a legacy project behind. Um, But I don't think that was really the case with Lindsay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Lindsay probably feels like she's and I think a lot of artists and people who participated in her work would say that she's definitely left a legacy Mm -hmm. uh, project. And um, yeah, you talked about those like physical mementos, these things that persist physically. So I think it really her residency really challenged the way we look at these things. Um, and she also had very open uh, practice, I think, mm-hmm. like she often invited members of the community to participate in these projects. I know she spoke about uh, collaborations with people like Monique Sales and Linda Reno Dance that are going to continue. And uh, yeah, I mean, her practice is based on indigenous ways of knowing and sharing art. And those things can often clash with our, you know, our settler ideas around how we consume and critique performance
3: sometimes the response is well you know I didn't understand that part or I don't understand or I don't get it you know and I think one thing about indigenous art is it's not about getting it it's about um, acceptance you know I had this teaching given to me uh, a couple of years ago and they told me you know when you walk into the big house when you walk into a ceremony you need to turn off that mind that wants to understand it or wants to get it you know so you walk away feeling like you you are uh, you, you you got something from that or you, you're you've t- you've taken something from that for yourself but it's all about accepting accepting where you are where where you are accepting the work that's being um, shown to you you know the songs the dances you know it's all about accepting and really letting that resonate you know, inside of your heart.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, something Lindsay brought up, um, we really need to remember the significance of being able to watch indigenous performers Mm -hmm. do their work because for, they've been through so much and you know, their culture was essentially ripped away from them. They weren't allowed to Mm -hmm. perform it. Um,
3: So yeah, it's something that we need to keep in mind as, as audiences because when i think about you know the songs and uh dances that are shared you know even in the sort of stage context that's that's generosity that's being expressed you know for a long time potlatching was banned the exposure of any uh native song or dance was was banned from our communities the amount of oppression through residential school or our um our, our sacred languages being taken away, you know, and the abuse on top of that to keep all of that hidden, all of that unseen, you know, and through the resilience of Indigenous peoples from all territories, keeping that going, you know, um, it's amazing. It's really amazing, and I feel like the settler population, non-Indigenous population, um, is entitled to that quest as well in their own process of understanding who they are, you know, uh, what songs and dances and stories do they come from. I think it's a a beautiful journey to embark on you know there's been a lot of uh trauma not just with indigenous peoples but with with Canadians you know all of these scenarios coming to this country and what does that mean today and that's something that we're unpacking
2: yeah pretty powerful Mm -hmm. sentiment you know that yeah yeah, I really I really appreciated that you know and you can see why she was a great indigenous artist in residence for this Mm -hmm. era of reconciliation right so. yeah
1: she's an incredibly smart powerful woman and i think she just cracked a lot of things open in town and it's great i'm i'm curious to see where she goes with it and yeah where other people take what they've sort of been part of
2: yeah and speaking of that i asked you know i asked her what are you going to do next i mean she's got she's got a little baby at home and everything but she um she did say that uh she wants to continue that work of working to unpack those things all together. And she described her path as more like stepping stones that keep revealing themselves to Mm -hmm. her as she does something different. And for her, the next stepping stone is an artist collective.
3: Oh. The two years that I've been an artist in residence, I have cultivated a vision for myself, Uh, not just for myself, but like-minded individuals in Victoria that also see Indigenous theatre, Indigenous performance as a need not for the sake of performance per se, but more so of the unity, of the healing, of the processing, of the storytelling, of the songs, of the dances, of the medicine, of the ritual, of us coming together and acting and being who we are, you know, sovereign nations that come together and want to work nation to nation, I think is a very beautiful thing. And beautiful things happen from that. And the only reason why I know that is because people tell me that that's the reflection that i'm getting back it's it's what i see when i look in the in the water the reflection is like i'm on the right path and so are we are on the right path
2: yeah so hopefully more from her and when she's ready <laughs> i mean i just yeah. think about the couple of years she's just been so busy yeah. it's mm. uh it's amazing so um i, I did uh ask her you know, kind of a loaded question um, about progress. Mm. I asked her, you know, does she feel like we're making progress on Indigenous issues here in Victoria and beyond uh, post-Truth and Reconciliation Commission? And she pointed out that we really need to take a wider view and that only time will tell.
3: Mm. When I think of progress and I think of, like, visibility of progress, I have to really look at my mom and my grandma you know, like I have to think of like those older generations. There was progress being made in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and, you know, we're in the 2000s now. And when progress is rate right, so close and you're actually within the progress, you know, you're you're making proactive choices to want to see Indigenous peoples have a better existence, be equal in this country, uh, be treated with respect. Um... You know, to be treated with respect in all realms and health and education and law, um, you know, f- to see land jurisdiction and, and, and treaties honored. I mean, there's so much work to do. Um, we've been at this for a long time. We've been at this for a long time. And, um, and so progress, I have to really sort of look at things in, in a, a historical worldview because I'm within the era of reconciliation, this era will translate into something else.
1: I've never heard that it put that way. In this era of reconciliation, it yeah. will translate to something else. That's really, yeah, she's right. So where, where, where are we going?
2: Yeah, and I, I mean uh, that's sort of leads to what will happen with the city's indigenous artists. And Just remnants. gonna ask, yeah, that. <laughs> is that
1: going to continue or?
2: No one knows. I mean, neither of the, I don't think there's any solid answer on either of the artists in residence Mm -hmm. programs at the city of Victoria, because there was also kind of a more quote unquote, general artist in residence. That was a position held by Luke Ramsey, uh, that neither of them, like they've served their terms. They're both
1: extended ones. Yeah.
2: But there was no discussion about going Mm -hmm. beyond that. And, uh, Lindsay said it would be a real shame to stop now, given
3: what she saw during the two years that she was in the role. Mm -hmm. It's very promising. I mean, the response from the community, because uh, the benefits, like I said, in terms of the exposure of, uh, you know, Indigenous perspectives and worldview in the arts um, has to come from that Indigenous, from the Indigenous population. Um, You know, we have a lot of allyship that come in and, and nurture and help foster, you know, new ideas and growth and expansion. Um, so that reciprocity, like I mentioned, is, uh, is, is growing in our city, you know, and I think to uh, let an opportunity like this pass or not continue to delve deeper in it, um, I wouldn't say is in the best interest of the city.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, with uh, Luke Ramsey, he has left behind the more tangible visual uh, presence of his time in the city. Um, but I think what Lindsay has left behind is that uh, more emotional, spiritual legacy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The people who participated in her projects, the people who witnessed mm-hmm. her projects, uh, carry something with them in the heart that, uh, you know, you see Luke's murals on the walls and you can say, oh, that's beautiful. But the longer lasting one, I think, is what you do carry in your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty different types of uh, types of work. But it seems like she's really opened up some possibilities just for people in Victoria, for other artists um, in collaborating, and I would hope that this, you know, artists, Indigenous Artists in Residence program continues and leads to other artists, emerging artists, just having that opportunity. It's great for Victoria. I mean, that, to me, that's tax dollars at work. Mm-hmm. Being able to support local artists who are out there interpreting life in our city, interacting, I mean, that's more important to me than a lot of things. Well, realistically, <laughs> not gonna name it's things. not a lot of tax dollars that work <laughs> yeah. for the benefit that we exactly. get Exactly. You look why? at
2: the budget for those programs, and it's it's, so it's not yeah.
1: much, and it's and so worth it. The impact is great. Why can't
0: we lead the country in this kind of thing? Why can't hmm. Victoria be at the forefront of this and have people say, look what Victoria did, we can do that as well. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's right about the big picture thinking, too, in the era of re- reconciliation. Um, because we're seeing this across the board in in other arts groups in town. I made a quick list, just off the top of my head, not a lot of research of the other organizations that have been engaging with Indigenous artists, Indigenous activity over the last little while, and it's it's like pretty much every major institution in town. Pacific Opera Victoria, Dance Victoria, Intrepid Theatre, the Art Gallery of Greater Victoria, the Belfry, the Open Space, uh, Legacy Gallery, the Victoria Symphony, the Victoria Film Festival, all of them have programmed mm-hmm. something in the Indigenous line, and I'd like to see that continue. I yeah. you know, think it goes beyond the...
2: programming, though. Oh, You sure. know, like, yeah. yeah, it's great to present Indigenous work, but how are Indigenous perspectives informing how these organizations mm, are run? Mm, mm. You know, you look at the Belfry, they now have an, an Indigenous cultural liaison on mm-hmm. staff. Like, I feel like... I th- think that's where we need to go. And a lot of these organizations are doing that. Yeah, Pacific Opera yeah. is a good example.
0: Yeah. They've uh, they've got the program where they're reaching out to things. Instead of saying, this is what we can offer you, they're asking, what do you want us to come and work with you on? Which I think is a great approach mm-hmm. to take. So,
2: yeah. yeah, I mean, there's definitely momentum, and hopefully it continues, you know. Hopefully we don't get past this you, these years of reconciliation, and then it just is... On yeah. to the next fad and whatever. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: and I think 2017 was, like, the official... Wasn't that the official year of reconciliation? Ever? Lots of people mm-hmm. got grants, and here we are, 2019, and we're still... we're seeing some great programming. I think we're seeing across the country where, uh, you know, I, even in the can-lit was sort of broken mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. by a few scandals, Galloway and mm-hmm. Boyden, mm-hmm. And, uh, and it made room for a lot of incredible up-and-coming writers, artists, indigenous voices like you've never heard, and lo and behold, there's some like incredible talent out there, and, and they're getting the exposure they deserve, and starting conversations that are really important. I don't think that's going to go away. You know, I don't. I think that's just going to continue. Yeah. yeah. Just hopefully it gets supported by...
0: Well, and the, and the more the younger generation steps up and gets into uh, decision-making positions in these institutions, exactly. the more that's going to change, too, because the next generation coming up are the ones who are going to be raised in this environment where they don't see the, anything unusual about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what, what was it? Yeah. A, a quote from somebody? Uh, I wonder what the thing that I think is totally normal and okay my kid is going to... Um, just kind of teach me isn't, isn't all right. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be something right. You know, you think about things that our parents thought were totally normal and okay. Yeah. And you know, Yeah. Let's just hope when we're old, we're not curmudgeons about it. Exactly. (laughs) Note to
0: self. I watched watched Heather's, uh, the old Winona Ryder and Christian Slater (laughs) movie with my kids recently. And it's shocking how much stuff in that movie is totally inappropriate now. Like, culturally inappropriate now. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing to go back. And that's only 20 years ago. Yeah. Right? So...
2: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so thanks to Lindsay for speaking with me. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And uh she had lots more to say. So I think i I'm going to we're gonna release the uh full interview as a podcast bonus over Ooh, the next few days. Excellent. So cool. our first bonus content. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I guess now we'll chat about oh my goodness, that the long weekend. It's uh, the end of February oh. push,
0: you know, there's so yeah. much stuff opening in the next little while. Things. Uh, What's coming up? We've got uh, 77, Charles Tidler's new play, is opening at Theatre Scam, running February 14th, 24th, -hmm. at their performance space on Fort Street.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting. That that promises to be an interesting experience. uh, And uh, La Traviata.
1: Yeah, Pacific Opera Victoria, La Traviata. um, Should be great. It's going on Valentine's Day. um, And then we'll be talking a little bit about um, women in opera and sort of those roles of the courtesans mm. and um ladies of the night i guess <laughs> also also
0: famous female focused is uh phoenix's production of trojan women mm-hmm. a 2500 year old play mm-hmm. uh, this sort of the classic anti-war pay, play apparently we haven't learned anything yet because 2500 <laughs> years later we still need an anti-war play also opening on february 14th and running to the 23rd if anyone's keeping track mm-hmm. that's three shows opening on february 14th now yeah,
2: it's uh, that weekend. If you're not going out of town for the long weekend, boy, oh boy, you could sure catch a lot of theater. Another show opening that weekend, Theater Cal News, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Yep, yeah, uh, in Fernwood, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's busy. We're going to apologize in advance for not being able to get to everything. Oh, we'll We're try. sorry. We'll do our <laughs> best.
0: Uh, but yeah, lots of activity coming up, that's for sure
2: great well uh thanks for listening are we done are we done i think so. i think we're done yeah okay yeah. well uh thanks for listening uh as always we welcome your feedback uh check the program yyj at gmail.com facebook and twitter check the program uh until next time i'm amanda farrell i'm
0: john thrallfall
1: i'm sarah petrescu there's no melanie <laughs> this time.
2: <laughs> and don't forget to check, check the, the program, program.